Father, thank you for this day, for the country in which we have the freedom to gather, uh, to worship openly and publicly, and help us to treasure that gift so that we may use it well. In Christ's name, amen. All right. While we are getting our place adjusted... I'm going to lay my coat aside. So for those of you who are staying, uh, which is very few of us apparently, uh, Matthew chapter 16 verses 19 through 24 is the passage we're going to be looking at. So while we're, while we're looking this up, I just want to preface this by how many of us would say that anxiety is a significant part of our culture slash a significant part of our own lives? <laughs> and how many of us know this passage already? <laughs> so, now. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Now, go ahead and read verse 25, please. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So, of course, that goes on into the passage of consider the birds of the air and and the problem of anxiety and not being anxious. Now, as I said, none of us are unfamiliar with the passage, (laughs) and yet every one of us are anxious, sometimes all the time, (laughs) sometimes on several different occasions for several different reasons, but anxiety becomes a real issue, and it's that first part that leads to the therefore of verses 25 to the end. Did you see that? 
Because of verses 19 through 24, therefore, do not be anxious, etc., etc. So really the heart of this issue of anxiety and, by contrast, the call to live the carefree life, the heart of it is verses 19 through 24. And at the heart of verses 19 through 24 is verse 22. So someone read for me again verse 22. Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verses 19 through 24 and how they lead to the therefore of verses 25 and following. Do not be anxious, etc. But at the heart of 19 to 24 is verse 22. And then he goes on, as you see in the next few verses, to talk about, you know, if the eye is full of darkness, etc. But, but this eye is the lamp of the body. And if the eye is full of light, now, the what would Jesus do thing sounds shallow. <laughs> the looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is biblical. <laughs> it's a command. It, it's, a, it's a command to press on and to endure. But it's when our eye is fixed on who is the light. And of course, that's who's the light of the world. Jesus, <laughs> when our eyes are fixed on the light, when our eyes are full of light, you notice that it reflects so that he doesn't say the light shines into your eyes, but rather he says the eyes are the lamp. It's going to reflect outward as we are full of light, as we are focusing upon Jesus Christ, as we are, are, are living in, in his provision. And, and Bonhoeffer says, in the same way that God provided the manna day by day for Israel, and if they saved any over for the, less, for the next day it was rotten, he says the disciple must receive his portion from God every day. Where our treasure is, there is our trust, our security, our consolation, and our God. Hoarding is idolatry. <laughs> so do you see? I, I think he's. I think he's absolutely right. When we place our trust, and and you think, you know, uh, I was in Uganda during the housing crash of was it ninety? No, it was two thousand two thousand seven. I was in Uganda. I heard about it, and one of the things that I heard about was people whose lives were ended and were committing suicide. Uh, that there were people whose whose lives were destroyed, and and their you know their retirement was gone. Everything was wiped out, and they felt they had nothing more to live for. And that's a grotesque example of a heart problem. Understandable. I mean, I, I 
Thank God I have never been wiped out, and, and thank God He has not chosen that for me, for, for my portion. But He does get to the core issue, which is where our treasure is. That's where our trust, our security, our consolation, and our God. So, so how do we balance, uh, this danger of treasure with the responsibility to be wise stewards of the resources that God gives to us and not fritter them away. So, so that too is a responsibility. We need to balance these things. We're not saying, uh, be, be profligate. Bonhoeffer says, our treasure may be small and inconspicuous, but its size is immaterial. It all depends on the heart, on ourselves. And you've seen this already in action. You know exactly what I'm talking about. A poor person who will say, I'm hoarding it all to myself, versus a wealthy person who gives liberally and generously. And con- and the, sadly, we see the converse. Well, I guess positively. Anyway, a poor person who is among the most generous people that you know, one, one of the, will give of their substance and their resources and you say, how can you, how can you be so generous? It doesn't matter the size of the, whether you're hoarding pennies or hoarding millions. The hoarding is the problem. And the problem of hoarding is that that's where we're placing our trust. Uh, the difference is not the amount. It's in the heart of the person. And Bonhoeffer also goes on to say something interesting. Okay, I'm good. He says, It is to be observed that Jesus does not deprive the human heart of its instinctive needs, treasure, glory, and praise. That's an interesting insight. We all desire treasure, glory, and praise. But he places our treasure in heaven. He places the glory of God in John 6, 44 as our highest aim. And he places glorying in the cross as Paul does in Galatians 6, 14. That's where we have eternal glory. That's where we have eternal treasure. That's where eternal praise is. And so the connection between our earthly treasures and our own anxieties Bonhoeffer says, earthly possessions dazzle our eyes and delude us into thinking that they can provide security and freedom from anxiety. Yet all the time, they are the very source of all anxiety. Isn't that? (laughs) What are the things you are anxious most about? Are they not your earthly treasures? Or the lack thereof, or the fear that they're going to go away, (laughs) or that you're not going to have enough of them, or what. The the very thing (laughs) that we think having enough of is going to free us from anxiety, or is the thing that becomes the source of anxiety. And, And Bonhoeffer goes on to say, anxiety is always directed towards the future. Anxiety is all about what will happen if... If our earthly possessions take the place of God in his daily provision, then we are misusing them. Earthly goods are meant to be used for today. If we took to earthly, if we look to earthly treasures for security, we are dethroning God and presuming to rule the world ourselves. 
And, and again, this is about the issue of the heart. If we're, if we're thinking that having the right 401k or retirement or house or whatever status, treasure, bank account, if we think that that is where it's finally going to free us from anxiety, then what we're doing is ultimately placing this thing in the place of God. And, and this thing becomes the God who, when he fails, leads a lot of people to jump out. 20-story windows. Sadly, sadly, I don't, I don't say that lightly. But Bonhoeffer goes on to say, neither anxiety nor work can secure our daily bread, for bread is the gift of the Father. And that's an interesting point. So the response to this is not one of laziness. Just as the response is not one of, of profligacy, the response is not one of laziness. The children of Israel weren't told to slouch around in the wilderness because God was giving, giving bread every day. And, and so he quotes Martin Luther on this. And so this is, this is Martin Luther. It is a man's bound duty to work and do things, and yet at the same time to know that it is another who nurtures it. It's not his own work but the bounteous blessing of God. It is true the bird neither sows nor reaps, yet she would die of hunger if she flew not in search of food. But when she finds food, it is not her work, but the goodness of God which placed it there. And that's the carefree life. When we are truly placing our cares in God, when we are truly filling our eyes with Christ, then of course we work. The bird goes and searches. But she didn't produce the seeds. (laughs) She discovers what God had for her. And And he goes on to say, and we know this, we know this intellectually, at the end of the disciples' journey, whether that journey ends with you laying your head on your pillow for the final time in a mansion, or whether that journey ends with you laying your head for the final time on the pillow of a guillotine, However your journey ends, the Lord is going to ask you at the end of your life, did you lack anything good? And your answer, of course, is going to be nothing, Lord. There's nothing good that I ever lacked from you. And so, how can he respond otherwise, Bonover says, when the disciple knows that despite hunger and nakedness, persecution and danger... The Lord is always at his side. And that's what it means to have your eye full of the light. When, when our eye, in that way, when our eye is fixed on Christ, that's how we, we deal with these treasures, we deal with recognizing what anxiety is. And, and it doesn't mean that I therefore am free of it by any stretch. <laughs> I, I speak not as one who is attained but I speak as one who sees a distant light towards which I press. Uh, but it is that light of seeing these treasures in their proper place. Father, we do thank you for uh, your grace and mercy to us. Uh, help us to fix our eyes upon Christ uh, in all that we say and do. In his name, amen.